This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. calls for aid and Brog shall answer Amandine welcome to a special pre-Halloween episode of Light the Beacons uh, Lotro podcast focusing focusing on the Kixotic MMO RPG Lord of the Rings Online, as well as related topics in books, movies, gaming, and the lore of Gerarar Tolkien. This is episode number nineteen, and I'm your host, Brag of the Lonely Mountain, Shire Brewmaster, and Dwarf of Ill Repute. So I say this is a special Halloween episode, and I'm lying because it's just a regular episode into which I'm going to insert. Uh, various and sundry Halloween references, um, not too many actually, uh, but heck, Halloween's a good holiday, it's a fun time, the Haunted Burrow is the best festival event ever created in Lord of the Rings Online, as well as many other MMOs I can assume, and it's generally a good time, so why not have some fun with it? It's going to be a very scary holiday, this is Count Floyd welcoming you to Light the Beacons. Ooh, very scaly. All right, some of you guys that may have seen SCTV growing up will remember that sketch as well. Uh, On to the podcast. As I said, this is episode 19. The beacons were dark last week, but I have managed to forgo my dwarven apathy once again, hoist myself by my own petard, and return to the airwaves. Um, I think the air is waving. I think your viewers, and I think we're ready to roll. I returned briefly to the Foundations of Stone this week to take a peek at the state of affairs at uh, Light the Beacon's Middle-Earth-wide headquarters. It's still quite a mess down there. Uh, makes Eastern Malinhad look like a botanical garden. But I was able to hire an outfit from Angmar, uh, and now there are a bunch of pale folk running around down there, sweeping up firework debris, scrubbing down the stone, and the Sunless Sea is being dragged for ash and garbage. And I'll talk a little bit more about my cleaning crew later in the episode. Uh, things would be going more quickly with the cleanup, but the Globstaga spiders are still quite agitated. They tend to eat whatever cleaning crew members they can get their hands or, or legs on, which is uh, slowing progress a bit. Uh, I'm glad these guys are not unionized, or this might have gotten expensive, but luckily they work for piles of copper scraps, which I happen to have in abundance due to our generous, generous Hobbit benefactors. So, we continue our remote broadcast, and this week we are live from the Lost Palace in the Waterworks, which provides some beautiful views of this amazing zone. I can see Gable, Gable Moons rising in the distance into the lofty caverns, uh, into the stalactites, or is it stalagmites? I always forget. I think it's stalagmite be rising out of the ground in front of you, and the stalagmite tightly hits you on the head if it falls on you, something along those lines. Uh, Beyond it, I can hear, or rather than see, the great wheel churning, and off to my right, the various critters are scurrying about the drowned deep, heading towards Harazagund. Far to my left, I can see the foundations of the rotting cellar rising up out of the waters, and it's quite a beautiful vista. So, the waterworks, one of my favorite aesthetic areas in the entire game. I think it may be due to the, I really think the light effects have a lot to do with it. Um, You know, the rest of Moria can be so dark, obviously, not since the update, but, um, you know, difficult to navigate. And really, when you walk into the waterworks, it's one giant open space. Uh, Getting around can be quicker if you know the right paths to follow, obviously, not to have to trek through the water. But you can really see the uh, beauty of the, the dwarven architecture, 
um, the play of the light as it cascades down across the the various water um, features that uh, that dot the zone so beautifully. It it really is uh, one of my favorites. Uh, so there's uh, you know it's got a haunting quality to it, uh, I believe. And boy, was it a pain to get to back in the day. Uh, it used to require a slow pony ride from the Silvertine Lows to get down there. And I think I still remember the first time I had to go find it in the southern reaches of uh, Silvertine Lodes to find that little zigzaggy path that gets up. Uh, but you come out into the cave entrance and you walk out behind uh, Duran's beard and look through the waterfall out at the, the vista and it's quite striking. One of my more memorable moments in game. Um, seems to be a regular stream of people filing through Philocool to endlessly kill this poor giant turtle that just wants to be left alone. Sad, really. The line goes all the way around the corner and down to the drowned treasury. Oops, uh, supposed to be a secret. Shh, don't tell anybody about that part. Grima, cut that out of the tape. Um, and, uh, you know, aside from that, uh, the waterworks are not the, uh, not the busiest zone as they used to be, but um, still one of my favorites. And when I do go through Moria, I make sure to exhaust the quests here, uh, particularly the ones around the Great, uh, the great Wheel. Uh, and the ones that lead you into the Vile Maw, which is such a great capstone for that expansion. Um, so, so, given that we're not going to be uh, returning to the Foundations of Stone anytime soon, uh, this is as good a place as any to move on with our business. Let's light our second beacon. Oh, so scary. Ilenoch. First, it's time for CRAP, corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Uh, first of all, corrections and apologies. Uh, the, 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 the rave reviews keep coming in of people telling me how much my audio, audio quality sucks. And uh, I recognize my audio quality sucks. I recognize I have a second-rate setup. I recognize uh, I don't know what I'm doing with Audacity. I recognize that my voice tends to trail off whenever I'm taking a crack of an ale. And I want to thank those who uh, keep writing in to let me know about some of the challenges they have in the audio quality. I hope the majority of you are finding it acceptable, but I uh, do realize that uh, I'm still struggling in some cases. Um, Tommy Oric wrote in to do, give me a very in-depth comparison. He's obviously done a lot more work researching this than I have. So all I can say is I will continue to try to improve, uh, but you can't say I did not warn you. This is a shoestring operation held together by a bubblegum and bailing wire, and that's just the way things is. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think we're out of bailing wire. Grima, get me some bailing wire, will you? It's got to be somewhere around here someplace, probably in the rotten cellar. Um... But I will do my best to try to improve, and hopefully you'll find the majority of the podcast audible. Um, that's really my goal. You know, I'd, I like to set a low bar. Audible is my goal for the podcast. So um, if I exceed audible and get to the point where things are actually pleasurable or, um, you know, adding some kind of uh, value from the content, then uh, I'll be exceeding my expectations. See how that works? Very good. Let's move on to viewer comments. Ethel Rose was kind enough to write in. He says, great episode of the podcast, Brag. For my part, having been on Bullroar this past week, Update 15 is looking promising, with the exception of my continued grumpiness regarding the new epic battle. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the new class, considering you didn't talk about it too much on the episode. So I wrote back to Ethel Rose to let him know that uh, I've been on Bullroar before, uh, just to take in the Eyes and Guard Tavern experience firsthand. Uh, as I'd heard so much about it, but generally speaking, I like to leave the gameplay for launch, especially since I'm likely to go through it with multiple alts and want to avoid content fatigue as long as possible. So I have not played the Bjorning at all and will likely even avoid watching videos of it in action. Uh, I do read up on others' thoughts and opinions, uh, which I do find um, interesting and exciting. 
I predicted last year that Bjornings were the most likely and most logical next class option in order to have some kind of unique playstyle experience that would appeal to many. And it sounds like the gameplay mechanics still support that. So I'm enthusiastic for its launch. And for those that do not want to play a Bjorning and be one of the hundreds running around the starter zone, uh, here's an excellent opportunity for you. Uh, my idea is go ahead and level a support class or healer and group up with all the young cubs. In fact, if you wanted to be creative, I imagine you could create a female hobbit minstrel named a variation of Goldilocks and be very popular in groups. So have at that. Tommy York wrote in to let me know um, my discussion of some of the grindiest grinds in Lotro. And was, he says, while I don't agree with some of them, especially the chicken shenanigans, I do like to have the clean deed log. Ah, another one of us uh, OCDs or... CDOs, uh, as uh, the acronym should be, uh, with each letter alphabetical. Uh, I'll add the following to your list, he says. Essences. So this is basically the DA daily grind, plus multiple crafting grind, plus essence grind, and the RNG to boot. So some of you may remember that uh, I wrote about the process of trying to crit an essence uh, a couple episodes ago. Uh, you need a Gilded Scholar with Rohan Rep in order to buy the uh, journal tokens, uh, for the recipe, with even a scroll on top of that, only comes up to, I think, a 76% chance of crit, which I managed to fail at the first time I tried to crit a uh, gold essence. Um, the nice part is that once you get one, obviously, um, it should be good, unless they come out with higher level essences down the pike, in which place you can start over again. Unless they let you imbue essences, wouldn't that be interesting? Uh, I doubt it. So um, the last one that he said, uh, you know, this comes down to more grinds than Starbucks at 8 a.m. I like that. Uh, next, the Skirmisher of Middle-Earth Deed, which is really one that I should have thought of as I have been playing with completing that myself. Um, this is getting all the encounters completed in all skirmishes. Simple enough, but as he says, unless the RNG hates the living orc poo out of you, uh, which inevitably the last encounters you need will always spawn at the end of a skirmish which means you have to basically run the whole skirmish to get or about 90 percent of the way to get a chance to get an encounter uh, most of the skirmishes i believe have you know somewhere on the order of eight to ten different encounters that are option are available and as you only get two per run you know if you're down to needing one basically you're down to like a 12 and a half percent chance that it's going to spawn or uh, between the two encounters maybe maybe a 25 percent chance Somebody do the math. But um, anyway, you look at it, that one is a grind and one that I'll talk about a little later uh, when I go through my topic about what I've been doing in Lotro this week. So thanks for writing in, Tommy Ark. That was an obvious one that I missed and much appreciated input. So let's talk about what we're going to cover in this week's episode. I'm going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in game. We're going to sum up some of our feelings about the North Downs rebound, revamp now that we have played it worth with it for some time. Uh, we're going to dip into Bragg's grab bag. And lastly, we will probably offend somebody somewhere about something vitally important to them without feeling the slightest bit of remorse or even awareness. And that one is continuing to massage my muse for now. Massage my muse. That sounds a little... Little on the edge. We better get to our third beacon. Oi, it's so creepy. The third beacon, Nardal. This week in Locho and other Tolkien news. First of all, um, word came out uh, just this afternoon. Good timing for my podcast that November 5th has been selected as the release date for Update 15. I have to say this is a little earlier than I was expecting. Uh, it's just a week away. Um, I know that we've been through a couple beta builds at this point on Bull Roar, but I really thought this would be more something that would come out uh, kind of mid-November-ish, just before the Thanksgiving holiday. So excited to see it coming up so soon. Uh, I think that's good news. And... Um, you know, the only thing I'd recommend is, while you're waiting for it, save up some Turbine points for that Bjorning class. It is going to cost, at least uh, last I heard on Bull Roar, on the order of 999 Turbine points. I'd guess the final will be somewhere in between there and 1295. Hopefully it sticks to 1000. I think that's a reasonable cost. And I'd recommend that you don't deconstruct uh, any 
legendary items between now and then if you have a crafted relic on them uh, because the new update as you may remember will allow a relic removal scroll to remove a crafted relic uh, instead of having it destroyed with the decon so hold off on that uh, so what have I been doing in game this week preparing for update 15 First of all, Bragg, you may have, may have remember uh, when I uh, mentioned it last episode, the, the, of, the Steed of Thorns Hall, <laughs> in, which included the War Steed appearance. Um, I had some turbine points burning a hole in my pocket, really hadn't spent any in a while, and I wanted me that horse. So I went out and bought a horse for, from the store for the first time that I've done that in a long time. And uh, I now have the Steed of Thorns Hall, including the War Steed appearance, which is really nice. Uh, as you run, it's got a little um, it's got a little torch on the back of the horse's rump, so it has a little trail of smoke that goes as you run along, which I noticed the other day, which is kind of neat. And uh, I think that brings my steed total um, with the new fall festival steed that I acquired up to about sixty six. So that's a lot of horses, but I know a lot of people that have many more than that. <laughs> I I'd probably guess the game is maybe coming up. On 100 horses in the game, if we don't have it already. Um, you know, maybe in the 80s and 90s, but I'm guessing it's approaching 100. Anyone has an official count? Let me know. They're certainly not all available in the collections panel as of yet. So, what else have I been doing? Um, you know, I looked at the deed panel for Dull Amroth and noticed that all I had was three Slayer deeds left to complete all the Dull Amroth deeds for the zone. So, decided that was probably worth a go. Uh, the first one was Brigands. Uh, found the Brigand Camp, which is west of uh, Lothgobel, uh, basically in the foothills of the mountains there, towards the entrance to uh, Blackroot Vale. And uh, that provided a pretty good camp to run around in circles and burn brigands in. Uh, that one was fairly quick. And then uh, Orcs was the second one that was needed. So I went to the northeast corner of Blackroot Vale. There's a little town that leads to a mine shaft that, uh, that was taken over by orcs as well. And that provided plenty of uh, farming to finish off that deed fairly quickly. And then lastly, Beasts was the last one I had not cleared. And for those of you who have not found it yet, just south of Morlad, there's a little field that has a bunch of the insane beasties running around in circles. And uh, there was a good number of those there. Um, was able to, every 30 seconds ago, run in a circle to round up about 10 or 12 of them at once and burn them all down at the same time. So that really didn't take too long. Um, at the end, I got uh, you know a couple lockboxes out of the deal. Um, one produced an XP scroll, whippity-doo. <laughs> I think I got some... Uh, something fairly lame for the other one, maybe some universal morale potions or something like that. I did get a copy of, um, a ceremonial copy of Wigfeld. Uh, for those of you who have been in the game for a long time, Wigfeld was at one point the most sought after uh, statted clo cloak in the game, uh, which dropped as a, as a final reward for downing Thorlock in the Rift. Uh, so it had some of the best stats in the game. And on top of that, to boot, um, it was one of the best cloak designs in the game, at least at that point, and still some people consider it one of the nicer cloaks in the game. So from a cosmetic perspective, I was actually surprised I didn't have a version of that. So threw that in the wardrobe real quick and been experimenting with a couple different dyes to take a look at it. And definitely going to incorporate it into one of my outfits. So at least that was worthwhile. Besides that, uh, I decided to do some, a little bit of skirming with my tank to do a lit, litmus test. I hadn't run in a while. Um, uh, one of the reminders of Tommy York sending in is that I, I was working on the skirmisher of Middle Earth deed at one point. When I took a look through the logs, I really only had about seven or eight skirmishes I had to run where I hadn't gotten all the lieutenants yet. Um, and most of them I lacked in between one and four lieutenants. So I think... In total, I probably have less than 12 to go, I'd guess. So decided I'd do some run-throughs of those and see if I could whittle down that number a little. Um, I hadn't run skirmishes on Bragg since he had uh, gotten to level 100 and gotten some of his essence armor. So to do a litmus test, I ran an Icy Crevasse Tier 3 uh, in solo mode. And as I suspected, it was, you know, 
I had to pay attention, but was still fairly uh, fairly easy for him to do. Uh, that being said, I did get in one tight spot where uh, I landed an encounter and a counterattack at the same time, and the counterattack was filled with um, uh, frost grims that could uh, hit me with tactical damage from a distance. And uh, they kept uh, running away as I tried to get to them and, and uh, turn some of my bleeds into heals. And with the encounter on top of that, I actually perished. So, uh, But uh, the rest of the skirmish was fairly easy after that and uh, the boss battle as well. Uh, so good litmus test for the new build. Uh, tier 3 Ice Crevasse with a guard at this point, which is a little OP. Not a problem. I did go and run Fall Festival content, some of the easy stuff in the Haunted Burrow, um, in order to earn the Fall Festival steed. I thought the Fall Festival steed, I know a lot of people say another blanket horse, is a pretty blanket horse. It was decent, but pretty boring compared to my uh, Steed of Thorns Hall, so I don't see using that too frequently. But I did earn it. Um, when I run the Haunted Burrow, there's a couple quests that I ran initially just to try them out and get the deeds done. And they're more difficult, the ones where you have to, uh, you know, read the clues in each room and decide which one to go to next or go through a timed walkthrough or run through. Uh, I find those a little more difficult or complicated with a chance of failure. So basically, I just run the, um, the three quests to find the naughty hobbits. And also, what's the other one? Um, obviously, pick up the tokens and check the secret chest. And do that a couple days in a row and with one of the other ones thrown in. That's a little easier. And voila, tokens aplenty. Um, so uh, I was, uh, I have to say, a little little disappointed with the Fall Festival again. Uh, it was as expected. There's basically no improvements to it. Uh, so there's a new cloak available, new hooded cloak available. There's a new steed available. There is a reward of an Essence Reclamation scroll, scroll available from the barter vendor, I think for 120 tokens. But that's pretty darn expensive. So unless they're burning a hole in your pocket and you get nothing to spend them on, I can't see grinding too many of those. Um, the old mounts available from previous festivals I noted were available for Mithril coins to, com to complete your, some of your collections, I'm sure. Um, normally, the steed from the last festival would be available for tokens as well, maybe reduced count. Uh, I didn't run over to Hankstacer Farms to see if it was available there, but the ones that were available from the barter vendor were all mithril coins apart from the new one. So uh, that, I think that breaks a pattern, and I don't like it particularly, but I guess it's nice they're available if that's the only way to get them. And that was it for the Fall Festival. Nothing else new. So, um, again, went back to running some more skirms in my guard to make progress against Skirmisher of Middle-Earth. Uh, just for kicks, I tried a Barrow Down Survival Skirmish. As you know, the smallest option on that is a three-man, but I just wanted to see what I could do with the guard. And uh, I was pretty impressed. I made it almost to ten minutes with a solo guard uh, in a three-man survival skirmish, which isn't bad. I was hoping to get to the ten-minute mark and get an extra couple marks and medallions out of it, but uh, did get overwhelmed after a while with some... Uh, with some range classes that were making things more difficult, but uh, still pretty impressive. I don't think there's too many classes that can get too close to the 10-minute mark in a three-man barrow down skirmish as a solo. Um, I did run the deep way as a six-man, collected some folks. Uh, that was easy peasy. Uh, I did notice that the dwarven kind of uh, you know quest bestower in the middle that you have to keep alive at the end kept running off down the tunnels every time a new wave came and we were like oh he's gonna get killed down there I don't know what what he's doing um, so you know but I guess actually it took him out of harm's way for the central cavern attack so I guess it was positive it's just a little worrying watching him run away trying to figure out what the heck where he's going and what he thinks he's doing so it might be some AI issues there they might want to take a look at uh, ran the 21st hall skirmish as a solo got one of the lieutenants I was missing out of that run um, still three more to go. That's the skirmish I have with the most lieutenants that still remain. Um, doesn't get run that often because I think people get frustrated when they fail at the final, at the final encounter when the troll comes in and the orc boss at the same time. What happens is Willie likes to run into the middle of the scrum and get killed. And guess what happened to my skirmish? The same thing. So I should know better than this. 
the first thing you need to do to, to complete this skirmish successfully is make sure you have one of every kind of banner available and plant them all down right before the final encounter when the troll runs in. Uh, so that certainly helps. But the second part that's important is if you're the tank, you need to lure, uh, get aggro on the enemies and lead them through the door and turn them around so that Willy is on their backs and not on their fronts. And that's the part that I neglected to do as a solo. I wasn't paying attention. I thought he was back out of harm's way with banners on him. Uh, but he was actually in the middle of the scrum, and before I knew it, he got burned down and got killed. So as a tank, remember, most important thing you can do in that, uh, first of all, as a healer, heal, heal Willy. And as a tank, make sure you pull the mobs all the way through so that Willy is on their backs instead of on their front since they have a frontal AoE. Uh, but I still did get my lieutenant from that. Uh, I ran a breaching the necromancer's gate. Uh, again, easy peasy, but I didn't get any lieutenants out of that run. And I ran a storm on Methodris, um, also on tier 3. And I have to say that tier 3 for storm on Methodris for a guard is tough. And I did end up failing the final encounter. Um, basically, when, you, when the drake breaks out of the, the hut, and you start burning him down. He's got like 175,000 morale, which as a guard is a little slow going. Um, and then when the drakes come out and you try to go uh, collect them and and kill them before they kill your drummers, you know, basically you have your back to the, the drake who's firing it up at you and um, uh, the tactical damage is high with the with the burn. I might have, I'm not sure if I missed a... A wound in there that was uh, that was impacting me, but in any event, I got killed. And by the time I ran back from down below the hill, uh, Saradin had been killed as well, and I failed the skirmish. So um, I did get burned down pretty fast, which I was kind of surprised at. Like before, I had a chance to hit some of my cooldowns even. So tier three on Storm of Methodist, pretty tough even for a guard. I might try it again sometime with a little more awareness and preparation. Maybe do some food and some other things which I didn't really have in place, and that might help. Uh, including scrolls. So maybe still about 10 or more lieutenants to go for the skirmish of Middle-earth deed, which of course, uh, as if you're a disciple of Pineleaf, you know uh, the best thing that you get out of achieving that deed is, uh, is an emote, which is pretty rare. I think uh, there's not too many deeds in the game where you can earn emotes for them. There's some, but not many. Um, and I think it's uh, a wave of your hand and you'll bring it on at somebody, which is pretty badass. So... Um, Grima edit that out. Watch the profanity. Got it. Uh, lastly, I looked in my deed log. Again, I tend to be looking at my deed log a, a lot while uh, waiting for the new content. And noticed that my Shire deeds were all complete except for one. Um, it's a hidden deed. Uh, the deed for the Shire Brewmaster. So I'd completed Slayer deeds in the Shire. I'd completed Quest deeds in the Shire. Uh, completed all the deeds in the Shire, the Postmaster and the Pie Deliverer and all that fun stuff. And I noticed that to complete the last deed in the Shire, I needed to achieve the Shire Brewmaster. And I actually thought I'd done this at one point, um, but it turns out I'd missed a couple of the quests. And uh, what it consists of is running out around to five different taverns in the Shire. Um, the Burden Baby Inn in Mickle Delving, the Floating Log in Frog Morton, the Green Dragon in Bywater, the Golden Perch in Stock, and the Plowing Stars in Brock and Borings. Woo! I got all those off the top of my head, which means I'm a super geek. And from each of the bartenders in those um, taverns, they can uh, they give you a quest to prepare for a big uh, brew fest that's coming up. Uh, and uh, if you complete each of the five quests, you earn you'll they'll give you a beer of each type that's special from their um, from their bar, and you will earn the title of Shire Brewmaster. Uh, so that earned me some marks, uh, as well as completing all the deeds in the Shire, earned some additional marks and a key. Um, I think a copper chest, which I threw away immediately. <laughs> and my Shire deed log is now clean. So that uh, I believe that's Arid Lewin and Bree and the Shire. Uh, so all the starter zones, as well as the Lone Land. No, actually, have a couple to complete in the Lone Land. So it's off to the Lone Lands to kill Bog Guardians, and maybe one or two, maybe trolls, I think. Um, and then we'll see what's left after that. Uh, again, chip, chip, chip away. Okay, so um, on my Cappy, moving on to a different tune. 
Uh, have not done much content lately, but I have been doing slowly doing some jewelry upgrades for my other characters. Uh, my Cappy is my jeweler, and most of the gilded recipes from the West Mnet uh, require a West Mnet large uh, metalsmith guild emblem. Uh, those are on a one-week cooldown. So basically, I've been keeping an eye on that cooldown on a weekly mm -hmm. basis and generating those. So I could hit some of those uh, jewelry recipes up, and I've been slowly funneling some of that stuff to additional classes. Uh, I have not been finding a lot of emerald shards lately because I haven't been not wandering the landscape hitting nodes up, but uh, they're actually not that expensive anymore from the skirmish camp. Uh, they're on the crafting um, the crafting barterer in the skirmish camp in Dol Amroth, which is by the armory. And uh, unfortunately, you have to go through 16 pages of barterable items. It's on the very last page. But I think it costs something like, uh, I want to say, you know, 125 medallions and 150 marks, something along those lines. So not too bad in order to get those, in order to complete those jewelry recipes. Uh, my minstrel, kind of a, uh, kind of a neat thing. Um, I had a call out for a Helograd uh, dragon wing raid which is uh, Thorog, and I noticed that uh, was sitting on my minstrel at the time the call came through, checked the deed log and noticed that she had never actually uh, completed that uh, Thorog. So, so jumped into that instance. Um, I've noticed it at least on Vilia um, being run a fair amount because as raids go, it's fairly quick. Uh, there is a chance at first age legendary symbol drops as well as teal jewelry. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. And uh, basically, I think it's on a lock where the, for the extra loot, which might contain those things, you can do it once a day. Uh, but, you know, running the instance, if you've got people that know what they're doing beginning to end is, you know, maybe a 15-minute process. And, uh, you know, it does require some coordination. People know what they're doing. But even if you're in a pug group, generally speaking, the success rate is, is very high. Um, you know, if you have a leader that knows what he's doing, you can you can beat it 90% of the time. Um, so, so I think it's become a popular option to run a quick instance that might have a decent chance at nice rewards. And it does come with either, I think it's either 8 or 12 seals, which are getting harder to come by as well. Although, right now we have nothing to spend them on. I'm sure we will when the next release comes out. So, my mini got Thorog done. Yay. Uh, on my lore master, I actually spent some time in the Etten Moors, believe it or not. Uh, all the claims of lore master OP, I want to go and check out and see how he would do in a group. Uh, he was rank one when I started, <laughs> so pretty pathetic, and was able to get to almost to rank three by the end of uh, one good evening with a good group. And Vilia, the good groups are uh, sometimes hard to find nowadays. You know, I would say maybe. Maybe a third of the nights that go out there, there'd be a full, you know, at least a semi-full raid that you could join up. Um, so they're getting a little harder to find. But one thing I did notice uh, that I wanted to mention is that, uh, you know, it had been so long since I'd taken another tune at level cap out to the moors outside of my main that I forgot um, there are some easy commendations to be had. If you complete Quest of the Tower Deeds, which basically means the first time you go through uh, an enemy stronghold like Lugzag, and burn down the you know the taskmaster and the chieftains you know all the ones in that castle uh, you'll complete a deed which rewards 500 comms uh, so if you have new hundred level tunes that you haven't taken out to the moors it's nice to go out there and run through those and get them done even if you don't intend to really level that tune uh, and rank it much uh, to generate some of those commendations you know th through the four or five different enemy strongholds available, you might be able to generate uh, 2,000, 2,500 comms in one night with a nice group, which is pretty good, pretty re return on investment. So my question for you viewers out there, and listen, I, you know, I know you're not viewers, but if you do use your lore master in the Etten Moors, uh, what trait line do you use? I uh, was uh, curious. Um, I think the... You know, when I've been soloing with the Lore Master, I've been using the blue trait line, uh, which is pet-focused, and obviously Sikkim is a great skill to have in the Moors, uh, given how much DPS it takes to take down some of the some of the creeps nowadays, with some creeps having 50,000, 60,000 morale. Uh, but I would think red would be popular too. Um, and obviously when grouping, 
the uh, yellow line would be useful, but uh, I'm really so I'm really not sure what the prevalent build is right now for lower masters and the moors. For for those that use them heavily, uh, drop me a line. And let me know. I'm I'm curious to see what your what your most uh, heavily used skill rotations are when PVMPing. I did enjoy being out there with an LM. It was a nice change of pace from a guard to have some range skills and to be able to hit some people with uh, uh, with some mezzes and stuns and so forth. So I may try that again. But boy, when they do find me, he's awful squishy. Uh, the Hunter, Burglar, RK, and Warden characters. Nerp. Got no love this week. However, uh, I was out there on my champ and continuing to drive some of the quests in the North Downs. Um, so here's a few observations regarding that. So champ, uh, some of you may remember on the eastern side of uh, Esteldon, um, some of the quests in that area like Ranger Troves. So I finished the Ranger Trove quest, and the first thing I noted is that it's dumbed down a little bit. The Ranger Troves, I think, I found them all pretty quickly, and they were all closer to the entrance to Esteldon than I remembered. I remember previously some of them being down near the entrance to Doldinen and in, in more dangerous areas. So I think they either put extra ones out there so they were easier to find three, um, or they moved them all closer up towards the entrance, uh, which made it easier. Uh, secondly, the quest for the Great Oroch Skull, which was uh, also a fun one back in the day. Um, used to be a fellowship was required because as you were running the skull back, uh, you needed people to burn mobs in the landscape to make sure you didn't get into combat while you're carrying the skull or would get dropped. Um, so the Great Orox Skull is now um, pretty easy to solo. Um, you can get through most of the mobs in the area to, to grab it without a problem by yourself. And as you're running back, it's fairly simple to kind of skirt the radar. Uh, one problem I did have, though, um, I did notice, like, like Phil Connors from Groundhog Day, I, I've done this like three or four times. I always forget not to step in the stupid puddle. That's directly between the place where you pick it up and getting back to Esteldon. Because if you walk through even a half inch of water, you drop the skull. And you're almost all the way back to Esteldon. you got to run all the way back and get it again. So, uh, anyway. Uh, I did get through that. Uh, the ranger ambush on the eastern side of Esteldon is gone. Uh, now replaced for, by a mini quest hub for Daldinen. Uh, which, you know, is nice that the quests are closer uh, to the, the actual zone where you need to go to, to fulfill them. But I do miss the ranger ambush. That was uh, at least something that was a little different. Uh, I did do some questing through Doldinen. Uh, it is still a challenge there with the trenches filled with fellowship level mobs. I found I could solo them individually with, uh, with a champion if, if I was careful not to pull more than one at a time. But it was kind of slow going. And some of the quests were like, kill 16 of these guys. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Takes a couple minutes just to get one. They have like 4,000 morale. So uh, I did avoid that. Um, but I did um, manage to navigate the zone to kill the three roving elite commanders, uh, which is always a favorite quest of mine because they, they do roam through the area. So you need to know kind of what their, what their pathing is and uh, go to the area where you suspect they are and... Uh, if you have a hunter, it's easy. I actually used one of those useless hobbit presents where I had uh, tombs of tracking that were available to me uh, out of a present for five minutes once I opened it. And that made that one pretty much a snap, although I did have to avoid some of the areas. Um, I did go on to the uh, complete the quest to, to kill the trolls on the, the mountain there. And I think that was dumbed down as well because I remember back in the day needing two or three tunes to burn through some of those trolls. And in fact, um, as you as you were fighting the trolls, they would boot you back down the mountain and sometimes into other troll groups. And so it was pretty easy to get that out of control to pull two or three more trolls than you were banking on, and uh, and get killed there. And that doesn't seem to be the 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 fact anymore. It doesn't look like they do that knockback. I did try running up the uh, to the explorer deed locations near the back of Daldinen, in the southeast corner. Uh, to find Hissuk and Tumat. I did find Hussuk, uh, which is like the, the troll tents where the commanders are. But I got stunned and killed before I could get to the Hillman outpost up on Tumat. So I'll have to return another time for that one. 
Um, other quests in the zone. I did go back to Fornost and tried killing Gazerpan in the ending the Elder quest, which is the kind of giant cold drake that's in the, the northern part of the zone outside the instance. And I actually needed a few tries to do that because it was a six-man quest, and I wanted to, really wanted to do it by myself. Um, and uh, it was difficult. He's got a flame, wound, dot. Uh, you know, it's meant for a six-man. He was green for me, but even a, a green fellowship quest was tough. I did finally finish him with a little kiting and help from a soldier landscape token. Again, something I've been carrying around in my bag looking for an excuse to use. So... There are a few more quests around the North Towns I could revisit, but I've outleveled most of them at this point at 36. I may go kill some cold worms and drakes in the Ramduath, uh, since I need the elf racial deed to kill drakes in order to get my Eldar's Grace skill, um, which is, I think, uh, increases evasion to 75% for 15 seconds, something along those lines. It's a nice one to have, obviously. Uh, one traditional activity in the North Downs I will not miss was sitting on the hill outside of Ostkrithlang for hours killing hillmen to earn the 4,000 K, you know, 4K man heal skill uh, for a racial, uh, which continues to be arguably one of the best racial traits in the game. Obviously, it's not as impactful as it once was, uh, but uh, still a pretty darn nice heal to have at your command. Um, but being an elf, I don't need that one this time around, so I get to skip that for once. I think I'll probably at this point move on to the Troll Shaws to continue the epic and try out some of these new areas. But before we move on, now that we're finishing up what I've been doing in Lotro this week, I wanted to take a couple minutes with our next beacon to talk about uh, my summary of the North Downs revamp. Aralas. Rating the North Downs revamp. Let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, break it down into categories, if you will. First of all, challenge. I would say the challenge has been reduced. I would say several of the quests have been nerfed over time. I would say that where it might have been a four or five, it's maybe down to a three at this point. There are still some areas that can bite you. If you want to take on fellowship level quests, you might find a challenge. Uh, if you want to go down in Dildinian, you might be able to find a challenge. Um, even a quest that used to be really tough to do solo, like uh, killing the Plague Bearer and the Hillman, I found to be pretty easy, though. So overall, um, not a great challenge in the North Downs. Still some areas with a little bit of danger, but not the way it used to be. Uh, rewards. I would say the rewards in the zone are about the same. Uh, aside from there being more XP and a few more quests to choose from from a variety standpoint. Didn't notice any special new gear, for example. Um, I know that when you, when they revamped even Dim, uh, they added a barter vendor that would uh, enable you to get basically the best armor that you could get in the game. If, if you completed the, the entire zone, you had almost exactly the right amount of tokens to get a full set of armor for your tune at the level that you were at. So I didn't see that uh, you know commensurate um, measure done in the North Downs. Uh, so reward standpoint has not been enhanced that I could detect unless I missed some new armor pieces. I, I didn't run around Estelden and look at every barter vendor. If there is, uh, if there are some new pieces there that have been laid out, let me know. Uh, but so I would say rewards are the same from a story standpoint. Um, it's basically unchanged. The story of the zone is unchanged. There's a trifle more depth in a few areas where they've filled in some blank spots with some additional quests. Um, you know, for example, the new crypt area that you uh, that you talk to the madman that's in that's in uh, the ranger camp on the western side, just north of Trestle Bridge, and he actually sends you on a quest to you know find his lost brother when they were raiding tombs together and, and so there's some more depth there to some of the characters and uh, filled in some areas that didn't have quests before which was good uh, but the story of the zone overall remains fairly fairly unchanged from a variety standpoint uh, there's a positive improvement it's good but what it really comes down to is in the end you know there are more quests there than you could do before but 
now you'll find, I think, that you're going to out-level most of the content, like half, and move on before you run out of things to do in the zone. So I guess that's positive from the standpoint of uh, moving multiple tunes through the zone, but if you're not doing the whole zone, you're really not getting the whole story of the zone. Uh, and for completionists, there's a lot more stuff to work through. You know, the way that you generate XP nowadays with all the with all the various boosts and and extras available, um, yeah, I'm not sure it's a good thing. From a quest flow perspective, here's really where the majority of the improvements lie. It's a big zone. Um, it's always been a big zone. It's always been a little disjointed with questing around Trestle Bridge and then in the fields of Fornost, um, then moving on to uh, Esteldin, you know, the plains west of Esteldin, and then the plains east of Esteldin, and then, uh, you know, down to Doldinen, and then the north. So here's, there was a lot of running back and forth between some of those areas, and they've removed a lot of that. So, you know, for example, quests where I had an author car where it tells you to go down to the elves, it's removed that running back and forth. Um, dynamic quest bestowal uh, for some of the different areas that are around there. Um, so that you don't have to go back to Esteldin and go back out. You just get them when you're out there. You don't have to run around and collect all the requests in Esteldin and the off chance that you're going to be doing something down in that area. Uh, so that's an improvement. Um, yeah, I would say I would say that quest flow is definitely, you know, it, it moves you more definitively from hub to hub and has hubs that are closer to the action. So I would say, you know, that's moved from maybe a 5 to a 7. You know, in summary, I'd say some of the iconic quests in the air in the area have lost a little bit of luster, but there are still challenges to be had. It's it's a pretty zone. It to me, it's always been a pretty zone that does not deserve some of the bad press it's sometimes gotten in the past. I know there are people that don't like the North Downs. I've always liked it, uh, but in the end, it continues to suffer from some of its geographic dispersion and its lack of a central driving story that makes it more than a transitional waypoint. I think it's going to, despite the improvements, I think it's going to remain a waypoint for most. You know, um, a way to get from 28 to 35 and move on before, you know, to more exciting zones before you've really drained the content there. You know, for those that love it, you'll still recognize it. And there's just enough new to keep it interesting for perhaps uh, one more playthrough. Bjornings, anybody? Uh, for those that never liked it, it's a little better. It's not even dim revamp better, but it's better. So go ahead and give it a try. Maybe experience some of the quests that you haven't seen before. Uh, hopefully moving on to the Trollshaws next. We'll start uh, my quest feedback for the Trollshaws. And uh, perhaps after that even the Misty Mountains. That's it for that beacon. We'll move on to our fifth, Min Rimon. Grima, the bathroom's over there. Jesus, this guy is... It's the waterworks, dude. Go anywhere. What the hell? Okay. Um, now a word from our sponsors. In exchange for certain services, we have a new sponsor this week. Karn, Doom, and Broom for all of your cleaning needs. Raid wipes, hobnanigans, fiascos, kin parties to all hours. We have seen it all. We've even handled the mess after the last bull roar end of beta blowout. Give us a call on our emaciate and our emaciated pale folk staff will be sniveling up your mess in no time. <laughs> so remember, when your party gets broke and the mess is a joke, don't have a stroke, just call the pale folk. Karn, Doom, and Broom, the official cleaning crew of Weatherstock. Thanks, guys. Appreciate all the help down in the foundations and welcome on board as a new sponsor. And lastly, I wanted to give another plug out for Safimskumska. Uh, with your payhag donation, Leisurely Evil is kindled. Safamsmska. And nextly, moving on to Kalanhad. For Kalanhad this week, we're going to reach into Bragg's Grab Bag. Uh, a couple of various topics, some of them uh, pertaining more to some of the Tokian goings-on out there rather than uh, Lotro itself. But first, a Lotro tip of the week. 
Uh, here's one that I've I've held close to the vest for a long time for myself, enjoyed it, and I feel it's finally time to pass it on to other players in the game. Some of you may know this shortcut, some of you may not. I think I created it, at least I never saw anybody do it before me, and I've never seen anybody do it after. So here's the trick. As you, most of you know, working through the epic story, um, you're going to develop considerable airline travel miles going back and forth to Rivendell to talk to who else? Elrond. Elrond is in the last homely house on the second floor inside of his study. And so you run into the house, you run up the steps to the second floor, you run up the stairs to the next ramp, you take a left, you enter the study, uh, so third floor, and you jump down. And it used to be, this is kind of funny, it used to be that when you jumped down into the study instead of taking the ramp, you would break your leg. But there was only a couple stamps to steps to limp over to Elrond. And while you were... Um, exchanging whatever information needed to with him, your leg would heal. So it was no big deal. Uh, now I noticed, I can't say exactly when this happened, but sometime in the last year or two, they changed the height of the room so that jumping off no longer broke your leg anymore. And I don't know anyone that's going to take the ramp when you can just jump off right to Elrond's side right there. So that was one broken leg gone. Now as you're running out again, um, I noticed uh, when I first joined the game that a lot of people took the shortcut uh, down to the ground floor when leaving Elrond's study, which is jump over the side and land on the smooth marble parquet floor or whatever it is and limp towards the entrance. And generally speaking, your limp would not go away until you were almost out the door or even outside. Um, so every time I ran into Elrond's house, I'd hear <coughs> someone break in their neck, their leg and limping to the door. You'd see him limping by. And one day I discovered that if I sidled over to the uh, edge uh, of the drop-off outside of Elrond's study and I turned sideways and jumped to the right and then quickly hit the left key, I could actually jump down to the level below where I was standing. So from the third floor to the second floor without breaking a leg. And then if I did the same thing again, sidling out to the right, and as, as soon as I started to fall, pressing the key to the left, I could land on the first floor without breaking my leg either, um, and then take that last step down to the central clearing and run out without a broken leg. And without breaking the leg saved me, you know, probably, I don't know, five to ten seconds every time I ran to see Elrond, which on a number of alts and tunes over the course of the epic story turned out to be quite a time saving. And what's more than that, it's just kind of fun to do. So the next time you run in to see Elrond and leave his study, go sideways up to the uh, to the jump off, right and then left onto the second floor, right and then left onto the step, and then down and run away with without breaking without breaking your leg, and let me know if you're successful or you have trouble with it. But that's this week's tip of the week: a shortcut in the last homely house. Next, reaching into the grab bag. Um, there was an Entertainment Weekly magazine article this week on the Battle of Five Armies, which is set to come out this December. And it was basically a description of the final battle scene and with some quotes coming in from the filmmakers. And the point of information that struck me most keenly was that uh, they mentioned that the battle scene in and of itself... Now, if you realize where we are in the story at the end of uh, The Desolation of Smog. There's not a heck of a lot of storytelling left left to happen. There are some big events, and it's definitely going to be much more action-oriented. You know, adding the dimension of going into Dol Guldur as well with Gandalf and Galadriel and Radagast should be interesting. Uh, but I would say it's going to be a little lower in dialogue than some of the previous uh, uh, incarnations of The Hobbit. And uh, the article mentions specifically that the Battle of Five Armies is a 45-minute battle scene. So... <laughs> think back, if you will, uh, how many movies you can think of that contained a battle scene of that epic length. Now, I'm sure there's going to be cuts in and out where they, you know, have characters having dialogue while the battle's going on, or you know, flash back and forth to other events that are occurring. But overall, it's going to be 45 minutes long. You know, even with cutscenes and with dialogue and other things going on, that is a friggin' lot of special effects and a lot of action. Um, they showed what was interesting was, uh, you know, the map that they were building to kind of plan out the conflicts. You know, they're dealing with issues such as, well, if there's 6,000 orcs in the valley, you know, how much square footage does that take up? Where should they be placed? 
you know, which direction are they moving? Where are the different battalions? You know, I think they they tried to look at it really as if they were diagramming, let's say, a World War II battle, which are so well known that uh, reenactments can, you know, go all the way down to the battalions and platoons that were moved into certain positions when and where. And that's the kind of detail I think they need to have to understand what was happening in the battle at all times. Um, if you go back and read the book, Tolkien does have some specific, specific directions about, you know, different groups and, uh, you know, the tides of the battle pushing back and forth and when the new combatants would enter and so forth. Like, uh, you know, my favorite that I'm looking forward to in the movie is uh, the rush of Thorin, of Thorin and the company from the gates of Erebor uh, that drive back Bolg and his bodyguards in one of the more, you know, dire moments um, you know, I think that's going to be exciting to see uh, brought to life on the screen. Uh, and I, I did see a note on the diagram where they're showing the valley to show giant arrows um, circling from the right and the left around Erebor of the eagles swooping in. So you can almost picture, you know, the, the lonely mountain with, with eagles flying in from either side and swooping down upon the battle scene. So those are some of the things that are getting me a little bit excited for the Battle of Five Armies. Uh, the other thing they mentioned is, um, you know, Peter Jackson has learned through time that uh, no matter how amazing the special effects are for a battle, the the audience is going to get tired of it pretty quick unless you, he, basically his rule is for every two scenes without a hero, you've got to have someone that the audience identifies with, uh, you know, one of the heroes of the story pictured in the next scene or the the basically the audience is going to lose interest over time so expect to see lots of cutscenes of the different heroes luckily there's a lot of them that i'm sure there's going to be glory for some uh, glory for all and death for some unfortunately uh that's it for the uh, battle of five armies for this week i expect the another trailer to be out shortly i would guess and uh the information flow should be picking up now that we're getting into the holiday movie season uh reaching into the grab bag as i was doing some research this week i came across a great website that i had not seen before and i'm not going to call it new because i think it's been out there for quite some time uh, i just had not had exposure to it myself before it's called lotrproject.com uh, it's created by a gentleman named Emil Johansson, and he describes the mission of it as visualing, visualizing Tokian's works on the web. So, first of all, there are some dynamic maps in there. They're not of Lotro, they're actually of Middle-earth, Tokian's Middle-earth, uh, Tokian's artwork on the maps. But as you move through the maps, there are uh, areas, iconic locations in the game which are highlighted. And as you mouse over, it goes through different events that have occurred there over time in either the first, second, or third age. Uh, obviously, um, the events of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit are represented, but also events dating back uh, to Silmarillion times as well. Uh, there's a similar map of Beleriand, which is much more focused on the events of the Silmarillion that also has that interactive feature to it. There are some interesting diagrams, such as interactive distance versus time map for the Habit Hobbit, showing uh, how long it took the party to get to certain locations in the game uh, you know, over a timeline. Uh, there are some maps and graphs of analysis of dialogue by character in the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings movies. Um, some fun stuff there. Uh, now, when I'm looking in-game, I should mention this on the side, uh, there's, a, there's a, a, a website that I've gone to over the years that I discovered very early on in my gameplay. It's called Dynamic Map, um, and the URL is dynmap.ruslotro.com. So dynmap.ruslotro.com. And it has every map in the game. Uh, laid out, you know, you can select any one that you want and bring it up, and every quest location or mob location in the game is pinpointed on those maps. So you can get the exact coordinates for anything that you're struggling with. Um, extremely useful. So, you know, I try not to access those when I don't need to, but for something like <laughs> discovering all the treasury chest locations in Dal Amroth, I had a choice. I could ride around the zone for hours, <laughs> stumbling through everything, or I could, uh, you know, look up the last two or three I had not found on the map and go there right away. So I'll let you guess which one I took. Next, looking through the blog entries, I found something that I wanted to share with you guys that I thought was uh, really very amusing. Uh, a blog entry from May 21st of this year 
entitled "Reread the Hobbit Today and Found a Passage I Had Forgot About," and it actually has a picture of um, a classic uh, Tolkien book, like the book itself, open to page one ninety three. The chapter name is Barrels Out of Bond, and I'll read it for you. Bilbo says, All alone, for you cannot count friends that are all packed up in barrels. Very soon a gray patch came in the darkness ahead. Bilbo heard the creak of the water gate being hauled up, and out they went, under the overhanging branches of the trees on either bank. It was just at this moment he discovered that the banks were swimming with goblins, furiously sending arrows towards the company. Before he had time to understand what was happening, he saw Bomber catapult from the stream up onto the shore, where his barrel now started rolling across the ground, crushing enemies beneath it. Finally coming to a stop and surrounded by enemies, Bomber kicked out the bottom of his barrel, thrust his arm through its sides. Equipped with an axe in each hand, Bilbo saw him start to spin violently and kick ass, killing everyone in his path, before finally jumping into an empty barrel, which conveniently appeared out of nowhere. That's the end of the passage in the photoshopped book. Uh, I think it's a rather interesting commentary on the problem that some lore purists have with the liberties that Jackson takes in order to uh, add some action sequences to the movies, which have come to be part of his calling card, some of the extended set pieces. Uh, but I found um, the description of that, you know, as if it was written originally by Tolkien and inserted into the Lord of the Rings book to be rather amusing. So go check that out. Um, you know, I think this uh, this website is truly a labor of love. It's got a lot of Tolkien scholar input behind it. And it's got, uh, you know, various and sundry, you know, uh, family trees from all the different, you know, lines of the elves and of men. Uh, over the ages and so forth, and it, it tries to uh, use charts, graphs, and other depictions of uh, the information uh, to entertain and to bring out some interesting facts about the books. So definitely uh, recommend that you go check it out. Again, it's lotrproject.com. Uh, reaching into the grab bag, pulled out an offer this week that I almost bid on. Lord of the Rings bundle was available uh, from I don't know, bundles.com or something along those lines. If you looked up Lord of the Rings bundle, you'd find it. I think it's lapsed at this point. But it was uh, $9.99 for all the Lego Lord of the Rings games, all the, uh, the Lego Hobbit games, a title called Guardians of Middle-Earth, which has been out for a few years now, and a title named War in the North, which is slightly more recent but also been out in the wild. Uh, with all the DLCs for all those games, etc., included for the price of $9.99. And it claims that the original price of all those games was, you know, in excess of $100, and I'm sure it was. It was probably more like $150, $160. So interesting um, that you can have all those games available in a package for the Lord of the Rings bundle. I have to say I was sorely tempted at that price. And what it really came down to for me is I've played most of the Lord of the Rings Lego games with my kids on a console, um, Guardians of Middle-Earth and War in the North were, you know, more the lure for me. And Guardians of Middle-Earth, as I look at it, really looks like just straight combat game with, um, you know, with some Tolkien lore spread around it. Really was not that appetizing for me. War in the North has more of an RPG feel to it. You can level skills, you can go to towns and buy goods, you can, you know, group up with... Uh, you know, two other players and try th one of three different classes. Um, so that was a little bit more tempting, but in the end, it is kind of hack. It's still hack and slash at the end of the day. Uh, I probably still would have gotten it to try it at that price, but you know, the problem is I just can't see spending the time right now. Um, you know, I've got a number of other games lined up, and the longer you wait to buy a game, the cheaper it's going to get. So, although this was a great deal, I'm sure there'll be more available in the future, and at some point. On a Steam sale, if I'm interested, I'll be able to pick it up for a song. Um, plus, I've heard that PC controls are not that great for some of these games. They're really meant for console controls. I know that there are some programs, I believe, or adapters where you can use a, you know, a PS3 game controller plugged into your PC. But I tried it once, and it didn't work that well for me. If someone knows a good program for doing that, um, let me know in case I might want to need it for the future. Lastly, reaching into the grab bag, I got one present all the way on the bottom, and it's a letter. So I wanted to give a shout out to all those extra lifers out there that have been burning the midnight oil this past weekend. Uh, 
It was fun to follow along on Twitter as you babbled incoherently about your accomplishments. Even if I could not follow any Twitch streams on the weekend based on my activities, I um, want to say congratulations and a big thank you to all of you. It's wonderful that the Lotro community continues to rally behind this cause, and I would guess it's somewhat unique for a games community to do this as well. I'm not saying it hasn't happened anywhere else, but it's the only place I know of that it's gotten to this depth, and it uh, just goes to show how special the Lotro community is. I mean, we are special, right? Everyone knows we're special. We all know we're special, right? That brings us to blessed relief. The end of the 19th episode of Light the Beacons. It's been very scary this week. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. Not about my Count Floyd impression. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for avarice. On Facebook or Twitter at bragsonofbalan. My website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I do kindly request that if you've been listening regularly that you take the time to create an iTunes review. If you do, I'd very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forego my inbred dwarven apathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. So I hope you either laughed at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. Most of all, I hope you enjoy your time this week in Middle-earth. This is Bragg, son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, the next time you're running in the last stretch of a 5K race, carrying a giant Oroch skill, step in a little puddle and drop it. Don't despair. Light the beacons. Grima, I need you to collect some mushrooms for us from Hazard Gund. Yeah, we're going to make some omelets. Yes, I have seen the Watcher over there at times, but it's extremely unlikely you'll run into him. He's been a wimpish of late, to tell the truth. Uh, it, look, it's perfectly safe. Just remember, if he shakes with anger, don't move. His vision is like a T-Rex. As long as you're perfectly still, he won't be able to see you. There's a good pale lad. Hurry along. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great Halloween, everybody. Tom Floyd here. And I'm here tonight to introduce a very special song to you. It's a scary song. One of the scariest I've ever heard. Even the title says me it's called The Weapon. And I'm telling you, you can enjoy this song unless you've got your 3D glasses. That's right. Because if you don't have your 3D glasses, you'll only be seen be singing one half D. So be sure you put them on. Otherwise, you can't enjoy those shady effects. They'll, they'll, they'll rip right out at you, believe me. And the music. Oh, listen to that synthesizer. Sing those drums! Oh, 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 look at that guy dancing! He's scary too! Best band ever.